We're in Matthew chapter 2. I'll pray for Bev, and then she's going to lead us and speak to us. Lord, we thank you for your words. We thank you for epiphany. We thank you for things we've heard today about healing and about thin space and about wonderful answers to prayer after long waits, Lord Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your goodness towards us. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you that we've met you in the bread and wine. Lord, we pray your anointing on Bev now and pray for us to receive your word into our hearts and lives powerfully today. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I'm so encouraged because um, all the words... (laughs) that have been spoken um, is what I'm going to preach about. So, amen. Thank you. Bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Um, Because it was my prayer last night. You know, you have these ideas in your head and you think, oh, you know, we're being a bit wonky here. Um, But, and there's a, a word that's come through all the way through and every word, and it's in here, and I'm going to leave it till the last, yeah? So we're going to whip through. So there we go. Happy New Year. Thank you. And Happy New Decade. Happy New Decade. <laughs> Yay. Roaring 20s. Yay. And um, sort of a prophetic type picture. No, not yet. Back. Yeah, there we go. So 2020. I mean, there's a lot of bonkers stuff out there, yeah, you know, about vision. Yeah, perfect vision. Um, 2020, yeah. Um, so there's a lot out there. Yep. Brilliant stuff. Very symbolic. <coughs> and I've just put this in here because what I've been seeing in the spirit, what I sense, what I, I feel is just the straight road. <laughs> um, that there's this vision, this clarity of vision that we are going to be able to see into the distance, that the road that we are walking on, yes, there's going to be dramas, and yes, there's going to be battles of note, but they're going to happen on the side. And we as the people of God have got this straight road ahead of us, and we're just called to keep walking, (laughs) just keep walking towards the sun. So I just want to share that with you, um, and now we can go on. (laughs) So here we go. Um, the three men, again, a lot of jokes out there. I sent Nigel something that J. John, you know what the jokes are? You know, if they'd been three wise women, they would have got there on time. They would have asked for directions. They wouldn't have come along with the treasures. They would have come along with nappies and cooked meals and, um, support for mom. But I'm not going to talk about that because that's what, I was told I'm not allowed to say. So we're going to talk about these three guys. And who would they be? Wise men. Kings. Astrologers. Sinners. Magi. Magi. So we've got these... Three, supposedly three guys, and they are coming to look for Jesus. They've heard about this child that is being born, 
And I'm going to read very quickly. My son David bought me The Passion, the Bible, The Passion. Oh, does it come alive. Um, So it's very different (laughs) to what we would normally say. Here we go, Matthew 2. Jesus was born in Bethlehem near Jerusalem during the reign of King Herod. After Jesus' birth, a group of spiritual priests from the east came to Jerusalem and inquired of the people, Where is the child who is born king of the Jewish people? We observed his star rising in the sky, and we've come to bow before him in worship. King Herod was shaken to the core when he heard this. Not only him, but all of Jerusalem was disturbed when they heard this news. So he, that's Herod, called a meeting of the Jewish ruling priests and religious scholars demanding that they tell him where the promised Messiah was prophesied to be born. He will be born in Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, they told him, because the prophecy states, and you, little Bethlehem, are not insignificant among the clans of Judah, for out of you will emerge the shepherd king of my people, Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the spiritual priests from the east to ascertain the exact time and star that the star appeared. And he told them, now go to Bethlehem and carefully look there for this child. And when you found him, report to me so that I can go and bow down and worship him too. And so they left. And on their way to Bethlehem, suddenly the same star they had seen in the east reappeared. Amazed, they watched it as it went ahead of them and stopped directly over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were, listen to this, they were so ecstatic that they shouted and celebrated with unrestrained joy. When they came into the house and saw the young child with Mary, his mother, they were overcome. Falling to the ground at his feet, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure boxes full of gifts and presented him with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Afterward, they returned to their own country by another route because God had warned them in a dream not to go back to Herod. So this is what we're going to be looking at this morning, Matthew 2, 1 to 12. And what I've sort of titled this sermon is Better Late Than Never. Um, And there's lots of meaning into that on its own, but better late than never. But as I started to read, I was a bit confused because who were these three guys that had come out of the deserts on a camel, hopefully, um, to look for King Jesus. Who were they? (coughs) And really, I mean, there's so much. I love mystery, and I love historical sort of myths and legend and everything. And uh, there's just so much legend around these guys. It's unbelievable. I mean, there are all sorts of kings, wise men, academics, magi, astrologists, or indeed were they priests from a different religion even that had heard um, the mystery of Jesus and the star that was rising. Actually, there were more than three. 
we've sort of got into our heads that there were three, but actually there were three gifts, not three guys. The Syriac Bible actually says there were 12, but regardless of how many there were, to think that they caused this, caused this absolute stir in Jerusalem, there must have been an entire retinue of people that arrived out of the east. But yes, they were learned. They were astrologers. They understood. The other thing is, where in the east were they from? Yep. It doesn't really say. Um, but there's some amazing legend um, regarding India, China, Syria, and the whole Persian Empire. And there's legend that says that all the way along the Silk Road, there are stories and pockets of Christians and believers that rose out of these guys going back and telling people about the birth of the Messiah, King Jesus. What were their names, one may ask? And again, it's not written in Scripture, nowhere. And actually, in all the different legends, they have different names. So the Persian, Balthazar, Gaspar, and Melchior, I'm not going to go through all these because <laughs> I, I can't pronounce them. But then there's a whole Syriac set of the three. There's an Ethiopian set of the three, an Armenian set of the three. But they all come back to men who came, who followed a star to find the Messiah, the King of the Jews. And that is very consistent through all the legends, um, all the reading about them. Some really interesting ones. There's one, the Indian one in particular, sort of captured my imagination. Um, one of the guys, Gaspar, apparently, everyone presumes, was Indian. And the legend goes that years later, Thomas, the disciple, actually went back to India, essentially to meet this guy, and found there a community um, of believers, um, Hebrews, and obviously what we know is the Indian Catholic Church or the Thomasian Catholic Church arose out of that. And then uh, the question was, when did they arrive? There's actually no indication as to when they arrived. We know the shepherds, yeah, were there on the night Jesus was born in the stable. But here in Scripture it says that there was this child in a house with Mary. So there's been an upgrade. They've moved from stable to a house. It's not a baby, but a child. Obviously, with Herod's um, mandate afterwards to execute all children under the age of two, yeah, linked to this, that's the next chapter, <laughs> um, we would assume it is somewhere <laughs> between birth and two. But we don't know. It's not actually stated when they arrived. But it's obvious that they arrived after the event in the stable that we have on our tables and our mantelpieces and that we celebrate now at Christmas. So there's a lot we don't know about these guys. But what do we know about them? And what does scripture actually say? They had read and they understood the scriptures. So wherever they'd come from, <laughs> they understood the scriptures, the prophecies, and they had followed a star to find a king. Very clear. Secondly, they caused a stir in Jerusalem. 
And enough of a stir that King Herod had heard about it and secretly summons them. Okay, so there must have been this big group, and they caused the stir in Jerusalem. From there they traveled on to Bethlehem. The star, and I looked at all the different versions, seems to have gone and then suddenly reappeared. Um, and there's a whole thing in there. I mean, we could do an entire preach on that, how sometimes we can't see the way, <laughs> but the star reappears. They found the house, Mary, Jesus, the child, and worshipped. And that's sort of my italics here. And when they saw the star, they were so ecstatic that they shouted and celebrated. And when they came into the house and saw the young child with Mary, his mother, they were overcome, falling to the ground at his feet, and they worshipped him. Next, we see in Scripture... And I think the bit that we all know so very well is they opened their treasure boxes full of gifts and presented him, Jesus, with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. A lot of prophetic stuff in there. I think as children, we were raised on the story we know. Yeah, the gold symbolizes and acknowledges his royalty. The frankincense, his priesthood, and the myrrh, his death. Yeah, So they present these gifts. And again, a lot of legend as to what happened to the gold in particular. But potentially it funded the escape into Egypt. Potentially it even funded Jesus' ministry further on, even though he had nothing. A lot of legend. Yeah, It's not written down. <laughs> so this is what... We know. And then finally, the thing that we know is they return to their country by another route because God had warned them in a dream not to go back to Herod. So this is what we know about this event in Scripture. The rest is legend, myth, and we don't know the rest. But this is what we do know. And what I'd like to do is build on this. So what do we learn from what we know? Because the word is truth. It is living. It is here for our instruction to guide our path and our daily walk with the Lord. To me, these were men of vision they had a vision, they had studied, they were men of learning, and they had studied all sorts of things. But they had the vision of a Christ, a Messiah, a King that had been born. They had studied stuff from the stars, the astrology, to scriptures. We don't know whether... It was their sort of own religious belief or whether they had studied the Hebrew scriptures as well. They were men of action. And I love this. They acted on what they had, what they believed. They believed so firmly that this star in all the billions of stars in the universe signified the birth of a Messiah, the birth of a king. 
And did they sit back and say, well, we're going to watch the stars from here. Maybe we'll go to Greenwich Planetarium, check it out. No. They got on their camels (laughs) and they moved through the desert to find Jesus. These were men of perseverance and tenacity. We don't know how far they came, but there were no nice paved roads back in the day. (laughs) It must have been a pretty tough journey, but they persevered. When I say tenacity, when they met Herod, it could have thrown them off completely, but they stuck to it. I see them as men of obedience. They had this message. They had this vision. They were enabled to go and do it. But they also were obedient. And they listened to the dream not to go back to Herod. And they changed their plans and went back a different route. To me, they are dreamers. There must have been something in them. Yes, a literal dream, but also the dream of something that was waiting for them that was better. A deliverer, a king. They were worshippers. It says they were ecstatic and exuberant in their worship. They fell down and worshipped him. And again, they came, they were men who had treasure full of gifts coming to the new king. And this, to me, is what we can learn from this story. Vision, learning, action, perseverance and tenacity obedience, dreamers, worshippers, and a treasure full of gifts. So what then, how does this translate now into our daily lives? I see 2020 as the start of a journey. It's the start of a journey. It is a new decade. The past is gone. And we can live in the past. Or we can grab hold of a dream. We can grab hold of a vision. Because we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. We know that that baby of Bethlehem, he walked amongst men and women and kids and he partied and he celebrated and he wept. He had friendships. He had the disciples. They went out there. One man, 12 disciples, and two, what, thousand years later, we are still worshiping that Messiah. Has our star disappeared, perhaps? Have we been walking this route so long that we lose the vision of the star? Or are we people of vision? And we've heard that today. People of thin space, that is, people of prayer. People who will bring healing 
But you know what? It all comes back to having the vision. <laughs> to having the vision. In my day job, um, we do every, we, we call it change management, and everything we do um, is, is measured against a theory of change. And um, for me personally, for years, my three things have been about casting the vision, envisioning a world of justice, fairness, equality, that type of thing. That's my day job, yeah? But what the Lord laid on my heart is at the start of this journey, we as the body of Christ, we are an envisioned people. Yeah? We are an envisioned people. We are new creatures in Christ Jesus. We've been touched by the King. We have been set free. We've been delivered. We've been healed. We've been on a journey with Jesus. And I just used this one scripture. For when you saw me hungry, you fed me. When you found me thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I had no place to stay, you invited me in. And when I was poorly clothed, you covered me. When I was sick, you tenderly cared for me. And when I was in prison, you visited me. And that is this vision turning into action. And we've had it here today. God gave me a vision oh, 10 years ago about how we as the people of God need to take the church onto the street. That each of us have a little dream to fix something in this world. And we think of the little boy with his loaves and fishes came to Jesus, said, this is all I've got. And what did Jesus do? He multiplied it. He fed the thousands. There have been people in this church, um, one of them 20 years ago had a vision of no more slavery. Yep. Twelve years later, God had positioned him in government all the way through. That that man... Part of this church, not here anymore. Um, he's at another church. He's not with the Lord. Um, that actually, <laughs> a couple of years ago, the new Modern Slavery Act came about. And it started with a dream, a vision. And we are an envisioned people, whether it be in the playground, whether it's at the gates, whether it is at work, in our schoolroom, whether it is through our art, whether it is through just... Being on the daily commute, where is the dream to tell people about Jesus? To go out and feed the hungry, give water to the thirsty. But you know what? On top of this, we are an enabled people. And we sometimes forget that. We forget that our, our arms are not tied behind our backs. We are not shackled. We have been enabled to take hold of the vision and do it. Like our wise men. They just didn't sit there with their scrolls and stargazing. They did something. And I've got this, but I have come, this is Jesus, to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. I am the good shepherd who lays down my life as a sacrifice for the sheep. He has done it. That babe in Bethlehem is the Savior, crucified, buried, and 
resurrected. And what did he say? I've come to give you life and life in fullness. How many of us really live life to the full? Oh, people, we are envisioned people because of Jesus. We have been enabled through the blood of the Lamb. And you know, he surpasses all our expectation. Very quickly, India, I was on a trip. We'd gone to train suppliers. Yes, the two seminars were completely full. We had over 50 people, these factory owners. Um, The guy who'd sort of put things together out there said, I need you to meet somebody, but it's a breakfast thing. We've got 10 minutes with this guy. Normally impossible. So just come along. So my colleague and I, up early, which I'm not good at, um, get to this like funny little restaurant. <coughs> Fairly simple-looking guy sitting there drinking his tea and um, having his um, breakfast. He's very apologetic, blah, 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 bit of scraping and bowing and da-da-da-da. Turns out this guy's the minister um, of this particular state, holds a lot of power. He's the guy who dictates what happens in... 6,000 factories in and around Bangalore. Um, he says, a really nice meeting you, but I want to ask you something. Said, yeah, yeah, sir, anything, anything, you know. He says, I want you to come back and I want you to train all the inspectorate for all these factories. Huh? <laughs> I mean, I was happy that we had 50 people in a seminar. <laughs> okay, we've got to figure it out. We're not going to, big panic. But this is when God surprises us. My expectation was so. Yeah, I had a vision. He'd enabled me to do this, to go and do this work. And I was blown away. So we're going to go back. Yeah, amen. But what's come through in every word this morning is this big word, empowered. We are an envisioned people. We are enabled through the blood of Christ Jesus. But above all, we are an empowered people. And Jesus says in John 12, 12 to 14, I tell you this timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do, even greater miracles than these, because I go to be with my Father. For I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask me in my name. And that is how the Son will show what the Father is really like and bring glory to him. Ask me anything in my name. And I will do it for you. Beloved, we are envisioned for 2020. We have a message of life and hope and salvation. We are called to serve. We have it. We are enabled to do it. Whatever it may be. We are enabled to do it. And above all, we are empowered through the Holy Spirit 
to walk into 2020 with a vision, with the tools, and above all, with God's Holy Spirit living in and through us, making the way. We need to be on our knees. We need to be praying. But we need to take hold of this vision of all God has done for us. That we take that, our treasure chest. We walk that into the world, wherever we may be, to bring the healing, to bring the hope, to bring salvation, to tell people about Jesus in different ways. Beloved, I'm going to say it again. We are envisioned, we are enabled, and we are empowered. And God wants us to raise up our hands and to say, I will take hold of that vision. I'm not scared of the Herod. My star maybe have disappeared, but I'm going to take hold of it again. Because we are a people, a tribe empowered in the name of Jesus. So the Lord, I've spoken to the boss and different people, but I had a sense that as a people, we've heard the word. Um, I just thank God we've, this word about empowerment um, has come through um, in everything today. We're going to form a prayer tunnel. Um, And we want as many people as possible. We want to be obedient and actually act on something as a church. So a prayer tunnel. And start over there. It's two by two. Raise your hands. The guys at the end will start to walk through. And in my mind and what was laid on my spirit, that as you enter the tunnel, this is your 2019. These are all the things that need to be left behind. And I just want you to walk through. And people on either side will pray and pray and bless you and bless you in the name of Jesus. And as you walk out, you walk into 2020 new, envisioned, enabled, and empowered through the power of God. Are you up for doing that? If you don't feel comfortable, you don't have to do it. But I would implore you to do it. It's going to take a bit of time. It's going to be a bit chaotic. So if we can start lining up here, and everyone will get a chance. And Elaine, I'd like you to come through first, if that's possible, yeah? And then you wait down the other end so more people can come through. Yep. So let's do this, people. And we're doing this in the name of Jesus. Just pray blessing.